I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. All right, James, the rain has stopped in Seattle temporarily while we record this podcast. And sun's coming out. The sun is coming out. Sun's out, guns out, Jonas. We got we got to get out there and go run on the seawall or something. To, whatever we're going to do. Done. Now, you and I uh, were talking over the weekend. We were watching that Sunday game, Leafs against the Kraken, and we were like, what should we talk about it on the podcast tomorrow? And then <laughs> the heavens opened up. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to. What? We don't have to worry about that. That's not a problem. We do not have to worry about that uh, because the Leafs have made another trade, another big trade. Jake McCabe, Sam Lafferty, they send out more picks. What do you think of the big trade 2.0? I like it. You know, I was really convinced. I had convinced myself that the Leafs were going to add a defenseman and it was going to be more probably a depth defenseman because it just it felt like the Jake McCabe thing I don't know it was almost like we called it in the story we did on Saturday where talking about the Leafs looking for a defenseman we called it like a game of chicken like the Leafs were kind of just waiting for the price to come down on on some of these players and it must have come down on on the Lafferty uh McCabe deal to get it done because you know it had been out there and rumored for a long time that they were they were looking at McCabe I think it had been out there like six weeks or something like that um, but I, you know, I like it, Jonas, you know, I was doing the math on it and, you know, part of what I really like about it is the, the retention piece of it because McCabe at 2 million is way different than McCabe at 4 million. I mean, it's like a free $2 million on your cap, basically, especially if he's going to play in your top four, all of a sudden, you know, the, you look at the Leafs blue line, even for next year, like not even, I mean, obviously you want him this year, but this was, this was like, this was a trade for basically two and a half years. It's not just like a rental trade for this playoffs. And I know, you know, everyone's saying they're all in and, and all this and and they are, but this trade makes sense for the Leafs for the next two and a half years, not just for this year. That's what I really like about it. And if you, I, you do the math on it and it's like, so McCabe, his salary this year is 4 million. His salary next year is 4 million. His salary in the last year of the deal, do you know what it is? I haven't looked now. It's 5 million. So there's, there's nine million left in the next two years in salary, and plus there's still about a million left on this year. There's ten million dollars in salary left on his contract. Chicago is paying five million dollars in cash for 
for the, for what for the first round pick i guess like i don't know it seems like you look at the going rate for retention like the leafs have paid what would they paid like a fourth round pick and a third round pick as part of the o'reilly trade getting that the double retention it doesn't feel like they're paying a lot for like five million dollars worth of retention spread out over the next two point two five years or whatever it is on the deal so i think they did really well here well, I guess you would say that the second round pick is is you're not just paying a second round pick for Sam Lafferty, I don't think. So maybe a third becomes a second with the retention on McCabe. I don't know. You know what I mean? But like you know what I'm saying though, right? Like they're retaining for like over two years. Like normally yes. when you do yeah, a retention, it's point. like yeah. there's there's only there's like twenty games left in the season and like the money is negligible. Like O'Reilly, I think had like there was like no money left on his contract. Like Well, for comparison's sake, James, um Chicago basically ate one year and a half of Nikita Zaitsev, who is a four and a half million dollar cap hit. And I think they got back a second and a fourth, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, like, so it's, you know, it's five million in cash. It's basically five million in cap, really, too, if you think about it that way. And, you know, that, that, I don't know. I the Leafs did really well to take it. I think it's the same with the Mrazic trade. Like they did really well to negotiate with a team that doesn't really give a shit about how good they are. In fact, just the opposite. So they don't really care if they're retaining on McCabe for two more years. It doesn't really matter to Chicago. They're like twenty six million under the floor or whatever for next year, and they're you know like that that retention is fine with them. But it's a pretty unique situation where you have a team like that that's willing to make a trade like this. Like I can't think of another trade where a team retained. 50% of a salary for over two years. I, well, and, and you're not... I, unless and, I'm, like, forgetting. No, a lot don't come to mind. And you're also... You haven't mentioned, I don't think, that, that Lafferty has another year left on his contract. So he's not just, like, a one-year yeah. kind of buy. You're getting him for two playoff runs. Um, and he's cheap. Yeah, he's cheap. Well, yeah. That's, that's exactly what you want to pay a guy who can play in your bottom six. Like, he can play... We'll talk about the fit in a little bit. Uh, but he can kind of play all over the place. Um, you and I wrote all over the weekend before this that the Leafs were still looking for a defenseman, and we wrote about you know why and you know Kyle Dubas. I just came back from his availability, and he said basically that they view Jake McCabe as their replacement for Jake Muzzin. And obviously, Jake Muzzin, you know, you and I have talked about it a lot. He he had an excellent playoffs. He played a very unique role for them, and I I I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence a little bit with McCabe uh, just in that specific box because he's, he's fine. Like he's, he's like very meat and potatoes, simple. He's not anything flashy. Like there's lots to like, I just didn't think he changed your world enough, but the more I've been thinking about it, it's like, well, okay, these are your options. You can pay a first round pick, maybe a little bit less depending on how things go for Gavrikov free agent. You're probably not going to sign him unless you're, you know, willing to pay him Muzzin esque kind of money. You could try to trade for Matthias Ekholm. That's going to cost more. He's older. He has three more years left on his contract. His contract is pricey. So maybe the Leafs just looked at it and said, you know what, we can we can do those things. Those are not perfect solutions. Those come with you know high costs. We could do nothing, or we could try to improve like a little bit and try to get someone who's a little bit better, a little bit different from what we have, push everybody down the lineup and hope with the other additions that we've made that we are good enough 
for what it matters. And I think they've, they've really, you know, with all the guys that they've traded for, they've, they've changed their identity, I think, a little bit for the playoffs and that they're just more, there's edgier personalities and, and players in this group. What do you make of all that spiel of words? <laughs> I, I, I think the cap piece of this is huge. I mean, it's, if you're re- trying to re-sign Gavrikov, you're looking at five, five and a half million overall really long term for a guy who's not that young. And all of a sudden you're you're locked into something. I mean, like worst case scenario with McCabe, he ends up on your third pair. You know, worst case scenario, you, you feel like Lilgren and 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 Hall and 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 every Brody and Riley and Giordano, you feel like they're all they all play better than like to, to play devil's advocate, what I think what it's been a really controversial thing the last three or four months. This idea that the Leafs needed to add a defenseman and give up a first round pick to do it. Yes. There's been a lot of pushback on that. If you look at our, the story we wrote on, on Saturday saying, y- yeah, I mean, like, this is like, I mean, you and I have covered the team for a long time. And I've had pushback, you know, throughout the, I mean, there's lots of pushback about analytics and stuff back in like the, the Dave Nonis days and the David Clarkson and all that kind of stuff. But this is the first time where the fan base is really split. On the defense, because you have what you have is you have a lot of the fan base saying this team doesn't need a defenseman. Their defense is so good. They're a good defensive team. Lilgren and Sandine, if you look at their RAPM charts and you look at the analytics, look how good those charts are. But but we know that yeah. the, the Leafs the don't Leafs feel know. that way. The Leafs yeah. the, the the Leafs feel like they needed another defenseman and they did not feel super confident in what they had. And it's not a slight on any one defenseman. I think it's a slight on the group as a whole that they feel like they didn't have enough. They they looked at the way Justin Hall's been playing lately, and they're like, oh, I, I don't know. They look at you know some of the, sometimes the mistakes that you see from Rasmus Sandin, and yeah, Sandin's had a good year, but I think that I think one thing that gets missed sometimes with some of the charts and the analytics and stuff like that is that it's just it's a world of difference being a defenseman when you're playing 16, 17 minutes a game. And you're playing on the third pair, and your coach can really not yes. use you in 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 difficult situations. It's just a lot different, and I think the reality is is that Sheldon Keith and the management group don't 100 percent trust some of the defensemen on this team to go into a playoff series against Tampa and Boston. Like their goal this year is to beat Tampa and Boston. How good Sandine and and uh, Hall and 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 Timmins and all these defense how good they were in the regular season against bad teams or against whoever it is irrelevant it does not matter all that matters is how good is their defense going to be against tampa and boston and Sheldon keith and the management group felt like they needed to be better and they needed they needed to have more options so what they're looking for in mccabe is someone that they feel a little bit more comfortable about playing in some of those tough minutes that's really what this was about and i know that that's controversial i know there's some people listening that that hate that idea hate the idea of of giving up a first round pick uh, for a player like McCabe. But I think if you factor in the retention, you factor in the term on his deal, you factor in the fact they already got O'Reilly. I mean, we were watching the game in Seattle here last night. And I said to you, I was like, look how good their top two lines are. Like they're rolling out Nylander, O'Reilly, Tavares, and they're on the ice. And like Seattle could not, they did not have an answer for that line. And then it's like, oh, you know, and then the, the you're the imagine you're the coach on the other team, and you're like, oh, we need to get a breather. Like, oh, thank God that line's going off. It's like, oh, here comes Marner and Matthews and Bunting, and like, you know, like 
really the uh, to me i understand what people are saying that you know they haven't scored well in the playoffs and things like that and i'm sure that'll get brought up again if they struggle to score but i really think i agree with the front office and i agree with sheldon keith that getting another piece on defense we'll see if mccabe ends up being the answer but getting another piece on defense that helps you for another couple of years i think it makes a ton of sense right now i think that was all very well said and i think you hit on a lot of different points that we should dig into a little bit i i think the really important thing that often gets missed with some of those charts and some of the analytics. And and I get it. Like I've done this. You have to really evaluate the context of those numbers. Like you're pointing out, like it is different. Rasmus Sandin's underlying numbers, you need to judge them differently. And then you judge Justin Hall's underlying numbers just because they play in such different situations against such different competition that you really have to like kind of look at and be like, okay, well, how is this guy being used? And how is this guy being used? And as you point out, James, regular season numbers, they, they they mean something, but the playoffs are different. And it's like you touched on, you know, why they need that extra guy. They took a massive person out of their lineup through no fault of their own, through no fault of his own. He's just gone. He's not available. Jake Muzzin was literally eating the second most minutes on their defense in last year's playoffs. Like, a few seconds behind TJ Brody. That guy just is and gone. he's a guy they trusted. He's a tr- guy yeah. they trusted more than anyone. And he's just gone. And so the, suddenly it's like, the well... The point you made in that story... Yeah. yeah the ahead. point you made in that story about the defense that I really liked was you pointed out like recent games they were playing. We What we should have done, Jonas, is we should have went and looked at recent games where they had the lead and they're trying to hold on to it and who's on the ice. And it's it's not Sandy and it's not... You know, it's it's the players that Sheldon keep trust. So that's really what this was about for the Leaves. So let's let's talk a little what bit. What were the about pairings? I mean, it was it was the buff it was a Buffalo game, right? It was like, a what Buffalo were the pairings? Game. I can't remember. They had the they were two different pairings, and they just were they were just alternating them, and they weren't playing two of the defense. Yes. Yeah, so basically, they it was the Leafs are up five nothing, obviously in that game. They give up three straight goals. It's five three. At that point, Dean Chanoth on the bench, Sheldon Keefe. They're like, you know what? No more screwing around. They put out Riley and Hall. Then they put out Giordano and Brody. Then they put out Riley and Hall, I think. And then I think they put out Brody and Hall. So basically, they trusted those four guys to protect the lead in a February game against Buffalo in a game that they were leading by a lot. And it just it's just like little things like that that kind of tell you what they think about who they have. Like they chose, they could have played Timothy Logan in that spot. They didn't. And, and like... They saw last year, they saw what happened with Logan in that playoff series against Tampa where he plays two games. And it's just too much for him. Now he is further in his career, for sure. But you don't want to get into He's had an awesome season. Like, for like, sure. Like, I think some people are reading what we're saying as like, Logan's not a good player or whatever. No. And it's, that's not what's... Uh, he's a young player who's relatively inexperienced. And the Leafs hope that he can do it. But this season isn't about hope. This season is about like, they need to do it. Right, like this. This isn't a development season, so I mean, you may well see Lil, Lil Grin out there in key situations. You probably will, like uh, you know, I, you may see him, you know, on the ice for a penalty kill once in a while, or like I think last night Brody took a penalty right against Seattle, and and Lil Grin was out there on the second penalty kill unit, like that. That could hap- happen in the playoffs. He does kill penalties quite a bit. Now, I I, I would imagine McCabe. It's like a minute and a half a game. Yeah, he's a, he's on their second unit. Um, but to your point, like you just kind of push everyone down a bit. So now in theory, like he's your number six and that's, that's a little bit more comfortable. And now 
presumably Rasmus Sandin is your seven, Connor Timmons is your eight. And that, that was one of the points that you made in our story is they just wanted to kind of push everyone down, including Timmons. Like they didn't want to be in a situation where they need a defenseman. Like if you're going on a long playoff run, teams always say this, you need like 10 guys. And so you don't want to be in a situation well, where some guy gets hurt and suddenly Timmons is having to go in game three in Tampa. We you we've been talking about this because the Leafs are over the cap when Man Murray gets back. Like the, one of the interesting, I wasn't expecting this trade today because I thought they would wait till closer to the deadline, uh, and I thought they would figure out their cap situation before they made the trade. It's interesting that they like spent some of the Man Murray money before making. We uh, this is like going to be a long part of the segment, so we can talk about this later. But what I was going to say is that um, it, it you and I were talking about like okay, how are they going to get cap compliant? Who are they? Get, they're obviously going to have to move someone out. And you were saying, what about a defenseman? And I, I don't think so. Like, I, I think they need all of the defensemen they have. Like, I don't think they want Connor Timmons to be their number seven going into the playoffs. And you have one injury and he's in the lineup in a playoff series. Like, I mean, just go back and watch that game when they played Timmons with Riley against Boston. And it's like, it, was a it would just make you really nervous. It would, it would make you really, really nervous. So then like the other options, maybe like a Jordy Ben. Like, I, I think the, you know, Kyle Dubas and the the Leafs they mean they mean business this year. Like they they want to have, and I know people are saying like their top six is so good. It is good, but they want their seven to be good because there's going to be injuries. There's going to be people that struggle. There's going to be, you know, they want to have players they feel really good about. And I think before they got McCabe, they only felt really good about I don't know five guys. They want to feel really good about seven. I don't think they're going to trade a D. I would be very surprised if they I, trade a D. I'm right with now. you. I think that's probably right. I think it's it's likely or something that happens in the summer, although we'll see what obviously happens in the playoffs. But, I mean, their, their defense still is not as good as Tampa's, arguably. I would say it's not. It's not as good as Boston's, for sure. So, like, it, they've just made it a little bit better. And, obviously, their advantage is their star players are arguably better than the star players on most teams, although maybe not. You said it during the Kraken game. They have two first lines. Like two that's, first that's lines. their advantage. Like yes. that's that's how they have to win, right? Well, and so like let's get to the other part of the trade, which is Lafferty. And I think when you you combine Lafferty with Achari, suddenly like one of the things that you and I have talked about on this podcast, we've talked about in real life, is like their fourth lines in the playoffs have just been bad and not useful and not really doing anything. They don't. They weren't like. Like, what was the use of any of those lines? Like, what were they good at? You couldn't really say anything. And now it's like they have Achari and they've got um, Lafferty. And suddenly they've changed the identity, I think, of the bottom of their lineup. And I think these trades, when you look at all the four players together, there's just more, it's heavier, it's edgier. It's more like they've added more of the types of players that Tampa typically adds. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the Goudreaux and the Coleman's, guys with a little bit of attitude. And I kind of think, I don't know how you feel about this, James, but like, I think those guys have the potential to score a couple goals in a playoff series. Whereas I looked at their fourth lines before, it's like, they're not scoring any goals. Like, that's not happening. What was the fourth line game one last year? It was Clifford and Simmons and uh, who was in the middle? Blackwell, who's not even a center. Who's not even a center. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing with this, with all these, these two trades, James, sorry, James, and then I'll let you speak is they've added three centers. Like th- those guys are all O'Reilly, Ochari, Lafferty are all centers, which means they have so much more versatility and flexibility with their lineup that they didn't have before. Anyway, go ahead. 
Yeah, and it's not even it's not even just a like lines and even strength thing too with the centers. It's like you can decide what penalty kill units to build because you have more guys that can take draws, more people you can play in the middle. Like you can put in a key key playoff game late in the game. You got a PK. You can put two guys out there who are both centers, which they really couldn't do. I mean, remember? No, they could not do Boston series. Remember the Boston series and they had Hyman taking the draws and was just getting completely obliterated by Bergeron because they didn't have enough centers and i feel like we've talked about the center thing a lot on the podcast so we probably don't have to rehash it again but yeah i mean in an ideal world as an nhl team you want to have like six or seven guys you feel good about playing center in your your 12 forward group and now they do yeah it's just more malleability for your lineup like if they want to change move the puzzle piece around malleability. Have, yeah it's good right i'm yeah, I've, the I'm tired i've written like a lot of words today so some i'm of the, tired the, too man yeah so some of the words our, in my mouth our, might, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say our flight got in. We got in at like 3 a.m. on on Saturday night. And then there was, it was an early game on Sunday. And no one should feel sympathy for us. But I we're we're tired. I, my, I'm sure you can hear my voice. Like my voice is completely. I was sick before we came out here. And it's just completely destroyed. So apologize if I sound terrible. You sound great. But I, I think the penalty killing point is important. Like you've already seen it already. Like. Noel Chari is playing like second pair penalty killing minutes, which has pushed like Zach Aston Reese barely kills penalties now. Pierre Engvall doesn't kill penalties really at all. Uh, William Nealon, remember that was a thing where he would kill penalties from time to time? That really doesn't happen and that's not going to happen. And I think like going back to like you mentioned the defense, suddenly you look at their lineup and there's not really anybody. I'm just like, I'm thinking off the top of my head. There's not really now going to be a line that Sheldon Keefe in Tampa is thinking, fuck, I can't put these guys out here for this defensive zone draw. Like, Well, the fourth line's been really good. Like, I haven't looked at after the Seattle game, but given how much they dominated that game, I'm sure their numbers are good again. But the Achari line, the last I looked, was like the first his first three games, they were at like 81% expected goal share. Like, they were they are completely dominated. And again, like, like I said about the defense, you got to take context into play and everything, but what you want with your fourth line is that they are playing easy minutes and, and really dominating. And the Leafs haven't had that for years. Well, and both those guys, Achari and Lafferty, are good defensively. Lafferty's like, he's he's kind of like, he doesn't, he's not listed as being that big. Like, I think he's 6'1", 194. But he's got like a heaviness about him. And it's the same thing with Achari. Like, Achari is like 209 pounds. Like, he's thick. He's not tall, but he's thick. And I just think like, They've got now two guys. And you're and, so excited. You you're yeah. in love with both. You were in love with both those guys. If you go back and listen to the podcast like three weeks ago, it's all you. I, I think I made a comment about. Well, yeah, when Elliot was on, I made a comment about how you were in love with Achari and Lafferty. I know it's. Funny. They were listening. Yeah, they were listening. They knew. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, I, I, I'm glad you did. And to your point, uh, I'm looking at it now. It's like 78 percent expected goals for that line in about 47 minutes. So. What do you think? So obviously they're going to have to make a move, and Kyle Dubas said basically they're going to wait until they actually have to because, like, we'll see when Matt Murray is ready to come off LTIR. Maybe it's Wednesday, maybe it's Thursday, maybe it's Saturday. Um, what I do think you, I what do you just think? sorry to sorry to interrupt you. I'm pretty sure they have to figure out what the move is before the deadline. Like I think they're I don't. This is like a C, obscure CBA rule, but I think they need. They'll need to decide what's happening, I think, before the deadline. Like, I don't think they can wait and, like, wave someone later. Because there's, like, a clear date roster, I think. 
yeah. people are, I'm, I'm probably getting this wrong. I haven't, I haven't had time to like look into this, but I think that that's right. So we'll, we should know by Friday what the decision's going to be. Um, basically what they, they're about a million dollars, uh, over the cap when Murray gets back. And that's with sending Joseph Wool down. Uh, they already sent Jordy Ben down. They traded Joey Anderson away in the, in the trade today, uh, to Chicago. Um, but the million dollars is a bit misleading because they're more than a they need more than a million because I think they want Matthew Nyes to come join the team. So they probably need a million plus whatever Nyes ends up signing for. So they probably need 1.8, 1.9 million. I mean, he's gonna get an entry level deal. Those are usually like eight something, right? They're gonna need to move out that much salary if if they want to put Nyes in the lineup. And I mean, well, if they don't, then Well, let me ask you about that, because one of the things that I took away from this trade adding Lafferty, there's not really, like before all these trades, you could have looked at it and said, you know what, look at their bottom guys. Like it's Bobby McMahon and Joey Anderson and Alex Steves and Pontus Holmberg. There's a world in which like the playoffs come around if they hadn't changed anything and you look at it and you're like, we'll, just, we'll see what Matthew Nyes can do. Now it's like I look at it and it's like, I, I don't see it. Like obviously things can happen if, one of their top offensive players got hurt and they wanted to try to get a little bit more juice that way. But now it feels like that's really like he's down the pecking order. Like I don't see him playing ahead of just about all the guys. So do you not have. sign him then? Well, that's I mean, a you good wanna, question. You want to get it like. That's a good question. So I don't know if this has been out there, but Dubas was just in Minnesota. I don't, I don't know if anyone reported that. Yes. Like he was, so he, there was obviously, there was obviously. That that was someone else already reported that, but he was there watching him, and obviously there was some sort of meeting and discussion, and maybe they said to him like, you know what, we're adding more pieces, and like there might not be room for you to come into the lineup. Why don't you know you can sign and like I don't know, maybe he signs like right before the playoffs start and like just comes on as like a black ace and watches or something or yeah, could he join the Marlies or I think th I think he can only join the Marlies once the Leafs are done. Is that the rule? We're getting into like some of these weird CBA He's, things now. Yeah, I'm not sure. Can you sign a college player raid out of NCAA and put them right in the HL immediately? That's your department. <laughs> I need to I need to double check these. We things. should check that. But but I, I think the, the wider point is is right. Like he was Kyle Davis was asked about signing Matthew Nyes and whether he had any concerns. But to your point, like maybe maybe just kind of kick the ball down the road and like sign what him did he say? a little later. He he didn't say like he said that they hope that they could sign him and that you hope that that's not an issue and blah, blah, blah. Like what you would expect him to say in that situation. Um, but a well, couple it's less enticing for nice to sign if like he can't get an NHL salary and come on into the lineup. So I guess like I would ask Although you, James, maybe, game, maybe he's thinking longer term. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe. I don't think there's any timeline to it. Like, right. Like they don't have to sign nice before the season ends. Like, couldn't they just they sign him? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's just like who is he playing ahead of right now? I mean, you could you could say like, I mean, someone's going to have to come out of the lineup, right? Like one of the forwards, yeah. whether it's Aston Reese. Well, like, there's going to be injuries and stuff, Jonas. Of course, there's, you know, like there's going to be point. there's going to be players are going to go down, and yeah, right now probably you take Aston Reese out of the lineup and you put Lafferty in there, right? Yes, I think so. Yeah, like like Kerfoot's going to play out of Aston Reese. Like maybe your fourth line becomes like Kerfoot, Achari, Lafferty. Pro Producer Punch says uh, McCabe will wear number two. He's taken Luke Shen and Ron Hainsey's famous number two. And uh, Lafferty will wear number 28, which 
that that's that's uh, Joey Anderson's number, right? And yeah, Joey Anderson. The, like the, the 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 body is still warm, and he's already taken his number. I was hoping that McCabe would wear twenty four so that he could uh, <laughs> he could everyone everyone could just bring their old McCabe jerseys out of the closet. Yeah, that's very good. All right, uh, we have a bunch of questions to get to. Uh, let's take a break and then let's get to those. All righty, James, it is pod bag time. It's a big pod bag just because it's a trade bag. Can we call it a trade bag? Huh? Is that good? Uh, yeah, and something sounds wrong about pod bag. It just sounds like it I was don't your know. friggin' idea, sounds, or was it Punch's idea? I didn't name. I didn't name it pod bag. I, I It sounds like I don't know. It sounds like nutsack or something. I don't know what it is. You just see how many questions we have. It's too late. It's too late for what to not to call it pod the bag. Name. The producer saying it was Jonas's idea to call it that. Was it? Wow, good idea. <laughs> I like it. I don't. It sounds bad, don't you think? No, it does. Like beanbag. Get out of here. Just get to the question. I don't know. It sounds. There's like a weird connotations to it. So I put the call out for questions only an hour ago. Do you know how many questions we have? Ten. <laughs> we have over seventy. Oh, <laughs> somehow okay. I don't know. I don't know where all these questions. And it's like. It's like eight o'clock in Toronto right now, and everyone's sending us questions. So everyone loves a trade, James. Uh, yeah, that's true. The numbers on on the stories and our site and the podcast lately have been so good. So like we're pre- even the people that disagree with us and and call us names and stuff in our stories, which is what was happening on Saturday. We still we love you. Thanks for thanks for listening and reading and everything. Um. All right. Oh, this fits into what we were talking about. James B, this is not me, it's James B, not James M. James B says, I read about Sandine's excellent analytics. My eyes see a guy who's overpowered when defending in his own end. Which part is true? If both are true, what's the explanation? Is he extremely sheltered? Which is What is his future with the team? Great question. Both are true. Both yeah, I mean, I think Sandine, Sandine's going to be an NHL player who plays a long time in the league. Uh, the the debate at this point, he's still young, so he's still got room for growth. The debate is, is he going to be a third pair defenseman or is he going to be a top four guy? And this is the same debate we've had with lots of defensemen over the years. Uh, Travis, Travis Dermott's Dermot. the one that immediately comes to mind. Yeah. Are, th- are, there, are there others that you can think of, Jonas? That um, there, And there's a big divide there. If you're, if you're a bottom six defenseman you're kind of you're making a million bucks you're playing you know 13 to 16 minutes a night you're probably not getting in on special teams you're not playing against other teams top lines whereas if you can do more than that if you can play in the top four you're playing 20 plus minutes you're playing either pk or or pp or both it's a big difference and at this stage in his career sandine hasn't shown that he's a top four guy yet so i think he's I th- we didn't get into this, Jonas. Who do, who would you take out of the lineup, and what would your D pairs look like right now? So I would take out Sandine, and I, I just want to add one point to that. There's a difference between I think the question is what you mentioned, but it's also can you be a top four defenseman on a good team? Like you can, there's every chance like you can be a top mm. four defenseman on a not so good team. It's different when you're on a team that's trying to win the Stanley Cup like right now. And and right now, well, and I think that there's a question of whether he can be in a top six for a team that's trying to win a Stanley Cup right now. You know what's going to happen to Boston's so good at this. Tampa's good at it too. They're going to game plan for a series. It's different when you're in a series too because you play the team again and again. They look for your weak points. They do tons of pre scout. 
I'm sure that the Tampa Bay Lightning coaching staff, just same way the Leafs are, are already watching tons of film. They're probably watching every Leafs game. They're looking at who's making mistakes and who's playing well and what their system is and what they're doing and how their penalty kill works. And I'm sure one of the things they look at is like, which defensemen are struggling? Which defensemen can we put pressure on? Which defensemen can we be play physically on? And, you know, and I think Sandine's on that list. So it doesn't mean that we're writing him off for his career or anything like that. It just means, like I said earlier, this season's about beating Tampa and Boston and trying to win the Stanley Cup. It's not about developing anybody. It's not about how good their their charts look or whatever. It's just about trying to beat those teams. And James, like, remember the last game they played against Boston? What happened? Those two defensemen, Sandy and Lilligren, got picked on and exposed. And that's and like Timmons that's too. And Timmons. And like that's what you're you're facing in a playoff series. So I was I've been toying around with the defense. Usually I I can I have a pretty good idea of like what they're likely to do. Like I even that O'Reilly trade, like you and I were texting about it, but so I see two likely options. I think the most likely is they play they keep Riley and Brody together, they keep Jared and Lilligren together, and they play McCabe with Hall. Another option they could you know what look I, at, James, is they could play I, Ryan. I think they're going to try McCabe-Brody. I think that's what they would Well, they would so that, that's option number that's two. My that's guess. on my list. You play Riley with Hall, McCabe with Brody, Giordano with Lilligren. And now what I like about that, to your point, is you suddenly right there, McCabe-Brody, that's your, that's your matchup pair for the playoffs. Now, what they they can try lots of different things. Like they have 22 games left. They can try as many different combinations as they want. Like they could try, I've been wondering and I was had it in my Monday story and then erased it because I had other stuff to say. I I wonder if like you get a look at Giordano Brody at some point, maybe McCabe erases mm-hmm. that possibility, but there are a lot of different things that they can do. Like McCabe can play the left, he can play the right. You could play McCabe with Lilgren then if you did that, right? Like, is that what you would think about doing? Well, let's see. Let me write this down. I think you want you want like purpose built pairs, right? I mean, I, the problem with playing McCabe with Brody is then yeah, it doesn't really work. You're wondering like which which of your other pairs. The problem is then you, you end up playing with too many. Well, I guess you can do it. It's gonna be. I be. I be. They don't even know yet, right? It's like the same thing that Keith said when they got O'Reilly. It's like I'm gonna. I want to see him in a bunch of different ways to use him, and then we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, you could do what I'm saying. You could play uh, Giordano Brody, Riley Wilgrid. Cave all something like that. Anyway, there's lots of different things that they can do with their defense. Let's get to another question, James. It seems to me, yeah. correct me, yeah, just it seems to me, Jonas, and correct me if, if you think this is wrong, sure. you've been around the team more frequently than I have. It seems like they're like a bit down on Justin Hall right now, like more than they have been previously. Like it feels like Justin Hall might be like earmarked for third pair duty, maybe? Yes, I, I think that's probably fair based on what's been happening lately. However, he's performed really well in the playoffs like every time he's gotten the opportunity like you remember he didn't play those first two games because they played Lilligren instead and then they put him in with Giordano and that pair was was really effective for them so right could they could they put McCabe on the right side yeah but that's what I was toying around with like that, that I mean you could play him with Riley if you wanted like you could play let's try to write that out yeah Riley McCabe well, and then you could get into Giordano Gi- Brody, Giordano Brody, or Giordano Lilligren. Yeah, you could oh, go no, Giordano Lilligren, and you then don't... you could go Brody Hall. Mm. So, yeah, that's interesting. That's eh? interesting. Yeah, 
the thing I like about that, you get kind of like the Riley McCabe. It's kind of like the yin and the yang, sort of like the offensive guy and the defensive guy. And yeah, I think in a perfect world, the Leafs would get like a real true top pairing right shot D that could play with Riley. But yeah, I mean that. So that's one thing that- you mentioned. You mentioned that they're all in, and I know a lot of people will say that this is this is close to all in. This is not all in. This is like. Well, there's more that they they're a million over the cap, Jonas. Yeah, but <laughs> like, like James, they didn't trade Ma- to, like they they didn't trade Matthew Nyes. They didn't get the best defenseman available. Like they, they're they're close. They've made a lot of moves. They've given up. Like, who was the best defenseman picks? available? Chikrin? for what they need. I mean, you would I would Orlov, say I it's guess. probably Orlov. And and in theory, like yeah. you could say Ekholm. Ekholm is better than Jake McCabe. The contract stuff is obviously part of it. But they, like this is not all in. Like they didn't trade everything that they have. They didn't get the very best players available. They tried to like be strategic, and they got players on good contracts, and they got players who could help in different ways. And power to them. Like I, I think it makes sense. Let, let me ask you in in light of that. Let me ask you this. I saw this was one question. I can't. I'm sorry. I can't remember who asked it. But one question, and I think it's a good one. And it's one thing I thought is how many guys added at the deadline is too many. Because, like, you're talking about they could have done more. Like, if you're bringing in, like, six regulars, like, isn't that, like, shaking up the team cohesion too much? Like, they're, as it is, they added four new guys who haven't played for Keefe, who don't know the system, don't know the players they're playing with. Like, I don't think you want to do more than, add more than four skaters. I don't necessarily mean more. I mean, maybe better, maybe different. Like, okay. But I think it's a fair point, though, right? Like, I, I think one of my concerns with this is that they're, like, they well, need to, like, figure out like the chemistry of this group there's only like 20 games left well and, and that's something actually kyle dubas did mention that he was asked about whether they would do more and it and there's it's possible um but that was one of the things he mentioned like at a certain point you you weigh are you doing too much to change the team at such a late point in the year yes <laughs> the answer is yes like we it, it sometimes we've seen it like you sometimes you get people in trades and it like doesn't work it's it's like a glove that doesn't fit or something or you know it's like so they need to they need to get that figured out in the next twenty games, and then if there's something that doesn't fit or that doesn't work, they gotta they gotta play around and change and look at like maybe 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 they it's think you know point. what McCabe's gonna be great with Brody, and then they play them together and it looks terrible. And yep. like some reason sometimes it just doesn't work, right? Well, I'm I mean, remember when they traded for Jake Muzzin? I think we talked about this not that long ago. They traded for Jake Muzzin. They're like, we're gonna play him with Riley, and then they tried it for six games. They move Riley to the right. It's like, ah, they don't like that. That's done. Never happened again. You told me to get to another question I like did. five minutes ago, and That's I didn't. Okay. I didn't do it though. So uh, now we have seventy-four questions. So it keeps going up, and we've only we you know how many we've answered. We've answered one. <laughs> so I don't. I don't know. We're get gonna, to it. Do you, should this be like a three-hour podcast, and we do every single one? I, uh, I, won't I don't know out. why he. I don't know why he's asking this question, but this is the one of the questions that everyone wants us. That everyone's thumbs upping this question, so I'm going to ask it, even though it doesn't have anything to do with the trade. He says, whose next contract will be for more total dollars, Ryan O'Reilly or Michael Bunting? Go. Bunting. I think if Ryan O'Reilly signs in Toronto, he's taking relatively short term. But I think if Ryan O'Reilly goes somewhere else, he could get... I mean, if Ryan O'Reilly goes full UFA, I think he could get a really crazy contract. So that's so my answer. Could, I think so if, could Michael Bunting. St- you think so? I think O'Reilly could would get more on the open market than Bunting. That's a good question. I mean, it's just yeah, fair. 
The thing I will say too is I think it's more likely that O'Reilly stays in Toronto than Bunting, which I think would surprise people. Yeah, we'll see how that plays out. That's a, another one of the million questions that will come of this season. I like it's funny, you know, even in this moment when something big happens and like the, you know, the playoffs are coming and it's trade deadline and like they're over the cap, you know, people are still wondering, well, what about next year? Like, <laughs> you know, I get people it. are still like curious about that. I do the same that. thing. Yeah. The producer says we got to have another break here soon. Why don't we do one more? We'll do it and then we'll do another yeah. break. And here, Kieran wants to know uh, with Dubas having an undeniably great offseason and now trade deadline, arguably in conversation for GM of the year. Can you see a scenario where he's brought back, even if the Leafs do not advance past the first round versus Tampa? Sure. Um, I think ultimately it's going to go to Shanahan and the board and to ownership to decide that. And maybe there's a world where, maybe there's a world where it's not just black and white. Like maybe, I don't know, maybe they go to game seven and they got four guys injured or whatever. And they decide, you know what, like we should we should give him one more year uh, but it, i think i think part part of the issue though Jonas i don't think you can do one more year right like i think no I think you have if to sign him to an Dubas, extension can, no he needs like a four or five year contract cuz that's what you got to commit you know it's i mean i guess you could give him a four year contract and then fire him after one year if you wanted to but it's kind of like the way that they've played this out without with not extending him earlier is like you got to decide if like he's your guy for a while so i think it's possible but i I don't know this because it's it's the ownership situation with the Leafs is so nebulous and it's like hard to know what they're thinking and you know it's like a conglomerate of these like big companies and whatever. I think that they have have said we want playoff success before we commit to anybody. So we'll see if they stick to that if they lose in the first round. My guess is they probably do. My guess is they want to see playoff success. Well said. Curtis wants to know, this is a good question. This is, we didn't get into the cap stuff probably as much as we should. Curtis says, how much value does Engvall, Kerfoot, Hall, Sandine have? They seem like some of the odd players out. Could they help recoup some of the draft capital lost in the last two weeks? So one of the things that the Leafs could do, they, they need to move out at least a million dollars more if they have designs on potentially signing Nyes during the season. Um, they could either put on waivers one of those players that he mentioned, Engvall or Kerfoot, or they could try and trade them and get something back. And, you know, I think people would say like, well, you know, who wants or Engvall or Kerfoot or whatever. But, you know, if, let, let's say you're a team in the West and you've missed out on all of the big names. Like almost all of the players that have been traded have all been coming East. And the Leafs are like, hey, do you want Engvall or Kerfoot? You know, give us a third or a fourth round pick. And if you're... I don't know who's one of the best teams in the West that hasn't done anything yet. If you're Vegas or I know Vegas got Barbashev. If you're if you're Winnipeg, Winnipeg's got a whole bunch of cap space. Like they can still do something else after getting Nino Nita Ryder, which I think was a really good move on their part. Um, one of those teams is probably like, yeah, we'll take Kerfoot. Like we we can play Kerfoot in on our second or third line, and he's better than what we've got. And if they have the cap space to do it, why not? So I think that that. I don't know. I, I was going to say that's the most likely thing to happen. I think that probably is the most likely thing to happen, Jonas. I mean, I don't know for sure what they're going to do, but I would guess that a forward is going to get traded for a draft pick before Friday is my guess. Yeah, I mean, to Dubis's point, like you could just see someone could get hurt Wednesday night and suddenly you don't have to do anything. Um, let me ask you this. this is you would have question. to be confident, though, Jonas, that they're on LTIR the rest of the year. Like You would have to know that for sure. It can't be like a short-term injury. Good point. 
if you had to trade one of those two guys. Now, I mean, yeah, I guess the other guys don't pay you there. If you could only keep one, who are you keeping? I th- that's a tough one. It is a tough one. I think I'm keeping Kerfoot. And yet I acknowledge that Engvall has fit really well with David Kampf, but yeah, that's. A t- I was going to say trade Engvall, but I don't know. I mean, Kerfoot seems like kind of wasted on the fourth line. So yeah, well, but in that situation, he's not on the fourth line. Suddenly, he's your. It's your third line left winger. If you run into an injury or something, no, or, like if you were to you hypothetically get rid of. No, if you were to get rid of Engvall, it would be Kerfoot, Camp, Yarncroft. Right, and then well, I mean, the problem with Kerfoot on those bottom lines is he just doesn't really seem to like fit into like what they're trying to do on those lines. Like he. He looks kind of just like... It's just like, James, like you think about like utility, like beyond just like a range of different skills. Like Engvall doesn't even kill penalties now. Like, Well, I mean, the big strike for Engvall for me is he's just been really bad in the playoffs every time. He's just, he's been really disappeared and not been effective. And I think when the physicality ramp, ramps up and Kerfoot's had some good playoff. I know he's had some bad playoff moments. Like, you know, like we all, we all remember, you know, the mistakes that he made. Um but he's also had some very high impact moments in the playoffs too. And, you know, he stepped in in the Montreal series and played center instead of Tavares on the second line. Like that's, yep. that's skill. Yep. I get the sense that the fan base is really, really down on Kerfoot. So I suspect a lot of people would be pick, picking Kerfoot to go. It's interesting because I think if you were to ask Sheldon Keefe and you gave him true serum, he's the opposite. He trusts Kerfoot. Yo, yeah. Yeah. You can tell. You can tell. You can you can t- I mean, that's why he's still on the team. And yeah. yeah. You can see it now they use him. Like, they're not sticking Engvall out there when they need, like, a stop. Although, I guess that's not true. Yeah. Anyway, he would choose Kerfoot before Engvall. Anyway, let's take a break and let's get to some more questions. I think we've done two. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> that is not true. James, we're taking a break. Two questions down, 55 to go. How how can you say we've only answered two kidding. questions? We've answered count. way more than that. We've answered four. Nice. Five if you include the Twitter one where I couldn't remember who sent it in. Huh? We've answered five questions. Let's see how many are here now. People keep piling these in. This is a good question. This goes in line to what you wrote about in your story on Monday in uh, The Athletic in the Monday Morning Leaf Report, which everyone should be reading every morning. Jonas slaved over that late last night into the wee hours Woo. and almost missed pizza dinner. Yeah, uh, Nicole, want, n- 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 you know, you still got there. You still got your pizza. I was surprised you got like a super spicy pizza with pineapple on it. Well, our friend Josh Coco is very not, proud of me. Very. Proud I don't. I don't eat spicy things on my. Really, I, I'll eat pepperoni, but I won't eat. You had like banana peppers or something, right? Yeah, there were you jalapenos had hot peppers and pineapple. Yeah, yeah. Oh, jalapenos and, and pineapple. It was like that's the order that I would never touch. I don't eat either of those things. I don't mess around. That was a great place. That was we we it was the thumbs up to the pizza place in Seattle. Uh, Nicole says, "What are the chances we see the return of peak Austin Matthews on a regular basis this season, and more importantly, in the postseason?" It's obviously a massive, massive question because, like, it's funny. Like, you you think of all these trades, and it's like, yeah, this is all great. If those guys don't perform to their capabilities, their chances of winning that series are obviously low. Like, they know. I mean. I think we've talked about this before and we talked about it after the playoffs last year. They need those guys to be like the best players in the series. And I'm talking like specifically Marner, Matthews, Nylander. That has not happened to a emphatic degree, I think, yet for any of those guys. Like there have been series where Marner's been good and 
Matthews has been good. And like they, they were fine last year, but they weren't like you went away from that series and you're like, Jesus, those guys were incredible. And incredible, like especially late in the series. Yeah, they need like two of the guys just to like just crush it and like even and I would include O'Reilly in that group too. Like they just need they need some guys to have like defining performances for their time here in Toronto. Like they need you know, everyone will talk about that game as like that's the game that they won. Yeah, I mean the thing that concerns yeah, and you're the- right and late in the series too is yeah well, is that's what's not happening because they've had some really good games early in the series like for sure. What concerns me is like we we still I mean that that Seattle game was getting closer. But there's there there just haven't been a lot of games where you walk away and you're like, man, he was incredible tonight. And there were so many of those games last year where it's like, I remember leaving the game and I'm sure I, I remember writing this, like he's the best player in the world right now. Like he and it it didn't well, feel we, crazy. We ran out of things to write about him last year. Was he like, was what incredible. Else do you say? Well, he had how many games did he play last year? Seventy. Seventy three, and he had sixty goals. Seventy three. So not only did he have sixty goals, but he had. Uh, he had 15 multi-goal games yeah. and in Seattle and and uh, not to take everything away from it, but like the goals were really driven by like nice passes and like nice plays by Mitch Marner, the goals against Seattle. Yeah. Seattle, he gets two goals, um, you know, monkey off his back and everything because he hadn't scored in a few games and it's only the third multi-goal game and we're like 60 games into the season. Yeah. So it's just, it's night night and day from last year. Now, like injuries are a part of this. Uh not playing as much with Marner probably a part of this, yeah. but he just Matthews has just never settled into and it's not just the player he was last year. The year before that he was amazing yes, too. Yes. That's also forgotten. And I, and I think the other point about last year that you didn't mention is you remember like the first 15 games of the year he was still recovering from surgery. Like he still wasn't even right Early, yes. and he still finished with 60 goals in 73 games. Yeah, so like we've just been like like I think you wrote how many weeks ago was that? You wrote like it's coming for Austin Matthews and he's going to be you yeah. know he's going to be the player he was. You you wrote that like a month ago then or something. And he got hurt. It, it just hasn't happened. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's been playing through the, I, I I you know what? I don't understand Jonas like why doesn't the team or like why doesn't someone in the Matthews camp like leak like what he's been dealing with because clearly there's been something going on well I mean we know that there's something because he missed time right like it's not even suspected like we know it for a fact yeah and that was something that had been bothering I think that had been that with the time he missed was something that had been bothering him basically the entire season right yeah and they never said what it was so I mean maybe it's one of those things where they Maybe they want to protect him, you know, going into the playoffs. Maybe it's going to be something. Maybe there's like a something in the offseason he's going to have to get take. I don't know. Like, yeah, sure. Probably shouldn't speculate on that stuff, but all right. Anonymous wants to know. He's he or she says, I was the biggest skeptic and completely out on this team before these two trades. So my question now is, has the passion actually united us all? <laughs> so I don't know if that means that they're like back on board or not, but. There's a lot of excitement around the Leafs right now. I mean, O'Reilly helps. O'Reilly scoring a hat trick in his third game helps bring back the excitement. Um, it's interesting, though, with the arms race in the East. It's like the Leafs got better, but like everybody's getting better. I really like, James, that they've added. I think the style of their team is different now than it was. And like maybe that can be like overplayed, but I, I do think it matters in the playoffs. And I, I just think. I don't know. This feels more like a playoff kind of lineup, if that 
makes any sense. And like Kyle Dubas said that that was literally like their goal was to try to do that. Like they felt, and I think that this is interesting. Like they felt in certain moments, we've seen it, they acknowledge it. They wanted just a little bit more like oomph. You don't want me swearing, but like a little bit more like attitude, you know? And, and yeah, I, think I said nutsack earlier. You can you can say whatever you want, Jonas. Yeah, I, I've mentioned it before. Like, I, I and it's it's like at least <laughs> now I know for like they've acknowledged it. And I mean, you see it with the players that they've acquired. Like, there's more fuck you to their lineup than there was before, and I think that matters in the playoffs, especially against Tampa. Like, Tampa is just year after year after year. They and even Boston, like they get Garnet Hathaway. Like, they just have a lot of these guys who, when it gets tough out there and it gets tense and it's physical. You want guys who are kind of like going to push back. So that's all. Well, and some of that's like, it's it's not all just down the lineup either, right? Like it's not like guys that are on like the fourth. I mean, there's some of that that they added, but like McCabe conceivably, maybe even likely plays in the top four. O'Reilly's in one of your top two lines playing with some of your best players. One thing I was thinking, this is sort of related, but I was watching the Seattle game. I, I was thinking that, you know, O'Reilly in St. Louis, he's the was the best player on his line by far. He was having to drive the line. You watch him with Tavares and, and Nylander or Tavares and Marner, whoever he's playing with. He's the worst player on his line, yep. you know, and like he's getting the puck and he's like chipping it to one of the other guys. And like he's a comp- he, sort of a complimentary player, but he's so good. Like he's he's the best complimentary player they've had on that line ever. For all those years we were watching, well, all those years, I don't know, like Who's going to be the left winger with with Tavares and and Nylander? You know they try Kerfoot, they try whoever. It it doesn't like I mean the, the beginning of the season we were talking about like maybe they should try Engvall with with you said that Tavares I never and said that. It's like like but that just shows how desperate it was though. Like it's like what they didn't have a lot of options, and now all of a sudden the best left winger for the Tavares Nylander line was Tavares because they got someone who can who's good at center. I, I really like the way that that line looked against Seattle. I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me or whatever. I just thought they looked, they just, what you're saying, they just looked really confident. And they, and you just, when they were on the ice, you didn't feel like it was going to go in their net. All right. Steve says, as I understand it, when Matt Murray comes off LTIR, the Leafs can send Joseph Wool down and then someone making 1.1 million or more, they have to get rid of to be cap compliant. So he, Steve has two questions. If they don't make a trade, can you summarize who's most likely to go down and why? So they could put someone on waivers. It's got to be someone making 1.1 or more. And I believe they need to do that before before the end of the trade deadline. Um, so that would be like, I guess, probably on Thursday. Um, so yeah, they could they could waive. Timmons won't work because he doesn't make enough money. So they can't just waive Timmons. Um, he only makes eight fifty unless they wave him and someone else, which you know they they could wave Timmons and Aston Reese, I guess, if he wanted. Yep. Well, and, um, and I know the automatic like assumption is well, someone's going to claim Timmons. Well, now that he has like a couple years extended at one point one, like there's a chance that a lot of teams will just be like, nah, we're good. There's a chance, Jonas. Like if you wait till right up to the trade deadline, if you put Kerfoot on waivers and he's making three point five, like I know we just saw Kasperi Kapanen get claimed by St. Louis, but. Maybe Kerfoot would get through and no one claims him. I don't know. Like, and then all of a sudden you've got you like Kerfoot goes down and you've got him for the playoffs and you've got some more depth there. All they need to do is clear once and then you don't have to clear again for. I mean, well, I guess there's a little bit more than a month left in the season, but you know it buys you some time for sure. 
Um, yeah, and then and Steve said, you know, if it's a trade, who do you think is most likely to be traded? I mean, I, I think it's Engvall or Kerfoot, really, looking at it. Unless they're doing something more complicated where there's like two pieces are going out and they're bringing someone else in. and But I just, I would get nervous about bringing more new players in to the, unless you, unless it's a, like a depth player that's that's on the outside. Um, yeah, Alan says, why don't you trade Kerfoot to a playoff team or even Detroit and get some picks back? I don't think you're going to get a lot for Kerfoot. Like, I think you're like, I mean, what are you going to, you're, you're probably going to get like a fifth round pick or something. Uh, and there aren't that many teams that can take that contract. I, the Leafs could retain half, I guess. Like you could retain half of Kerfoot and that gives you enough money to, to get it done. Uh, Andrew wants to know, he says ownership and Shanahan have let Dubas trade away a ton of draft capital. So it's, uh, with the picks today, it was six picks and all they've traded, right? Two firsts, two seconds, a third and a fourth. Is that right? Andrew says that uh, they've let Dubas trade away a ton of picks. Isn't that a sign that they've already decided to re-sign him? I mean, I think the, the McCabe trade. I mean, he's on the team for two two more years. Yeah, they're giving him a they're giving him a shot to win. Yeah, they're allowing him like that would be foolish. You, like you would be contradicting yourself. You'd be saying we want you to make sure this team gets further in the playoffs, but we're not going to let you do the things that you need to do. Well. To do it, that, that's I mean that's stupid. I I think there was some of that going on last year. To be honest, like it's yeah, hard well, to confirm that. If but that's it the case, like the, then that's not great. Jeremy says he wants to have Brian Hayes on the podcast. I love that. I I enjoy his banter. Brian's one of my favorite people to listen to on on the radio. Um, I I liked Brian's show when he was what he was at AM six forty, right? He was. I liked him me. way back when, when he, he was a when he was a really young guy. He did a really nice job. He, I, when it was just him on his own, I liked his show. Um, Jeremy says I enjoy his banter with Jonas when he's on overdrive. Do you have? If you, do you guys like on the show? Do you find you guys are like contentious? Like, do you and Brian disagree a lot? Yeah, from time to time. Like we, <laughs> that's, that's yeah. That, every time I hear it, it's you guys are so like. What's the biggest like? What's the biggest fracture point for you guys? Is it like analytics and not analytics or like... No, I like, don't think it's any of why that. Why do you guys like, disagree? No, Brian's on board with all that stuff. Like, I, I just think there are some things we see things a little bit differently, which is fine. Like, I've known Brian for so long that it's almost like, I don't know, it's like a arguing with your brother. You know what I mean? Like, in, <laughs> I, I, I definitely wanted to have him on. We've talked about it. It's just like he does three hours of radio every single day. So maybe, maybe after the trade deadline, this is a bit how the sausage gets made, but it's hard for Jonas and I to find times to do the podcast because our schedules are very different. Like I, I'm doing a lot of, I have a lot of like meetings and things like that, that I'm doing during the day. And Jonas is busy uh, often at, at, at like afternoons with practices and writing stories and things like that. So part of the, why we don't have more guests on the show is like, it's hard to find, like we have to find a window when the two of us can do it together. And then we have to find a window when the guests can also be there. And it gets really complicated to do that. So, like, I wish we've even talked about doing two shows a week. And it's like, I don't know if we can do it with our schedules. Like, it'd just be, you know, and like, this is a rare trip where we're both in Seattle. This is the only time this this year that it's happened. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's hard to get us in the same place doing it. So, but I, I would love to have us to have more guests. And someone like Brian would be near the top of the list to have on. Well said, my friend. Well said. 
Michael wants to know, what about adding Jonas Corposalo as a goalie depth move? He's a UFA. He only makes 1.6. He could be some insurance in case of disaster with Murray and Samsonov. So they'd have to move out even more cap space if they're bringing in a goalie that makes 1.6. But what do you think of that idea, Jonas? I like more like the easier fixes. Like we talked about Thomas Greish. Was it last week or was it just in Slack? Well, if Corpusello, if if they retain half his deal, he's only making eight hundred. So, like the money is like it's just like Grace at half price makes what was it like six hundred grand or something? Yeah, I guess like same thing. It's just like Corpusello. I, I don't. You're trust splitting hairs. Him. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't trust Corpusello as much. He's had a fine year, but anyway, like I, I think that makes sense. Like I would do that if I were running the Leafs, just because I have no idea. Yeah, I would be nervous. Remember that one year when they got Riddich because they were just nervous about their two guys, so they got a third. That was when they got a third goalie and they got a seventh defenseman and they got they got Riley Nash. Like they added a whole bunch of like these extra pieces and it didn't work. Well, so tell me how you think about this because I wrote this in my story on Kyle Dubas and what I think he's done here so far, and I just think this is a much smarter, sharper deadline for them than the last two. Obviously, last year they they just kind of tinkered around the edges. Giordano, Blackwell. Labushkin, like all those guys, Blackwell was less impactful, I think, than the other guys, but he was helpful. And then the year before that, obviously, they did Felino and some of the stuff that you're talking about. And it's like, well, yeah. Just to interrupt you, I would say Giordano has ended up to be like a much bigger than just tinkering. Like, you know, he's yeah. obviously, like, he look how well he's played this year. Last year, I guess. But yeah, you're right. Like, I, I, I think, I think this is a better trade deadline than they, this is probably his best trade deadline. I mean, we'll see how it plays out, but that's what it looks like right now. Yeah. Uh, why don't we do, we're running out of time. We, we probably got like three or four minutes left here. Maybe max. I know, I know cause the, the producers <laughs> messaging, messaging us how long we're, we've gone so far. Um, Jonathan says, uh, Bobby McMahon has been on fire since they sent him to the Marlies. He's got 10 goals in the last 10 games. Is there any chance he makes it back up to the big club before the season's over? I bet he's in the plans next year, but I just would like, like they got so many forwards. It would have to, there would have to be multiple injuries for him to get a shot, but like, it's certainly a good sign that he's playing the way that he is down there. Yeah. It would take injuries, but yeah, I, I like Bobby McGann. I thought he, he had a nice showing more so than like the other guys. I mean, they just traded Joey Anderson. I think I like him more than Steve's, although Steve's had like his moments. I'm trying to think who else. Pontus Holberg, obviously, like he's more of a, longer term thing and i think like connor timmons is obviously a different beast he's on d but he's more of like a long i think bobby mcmahon's mcmahon seems like he has like all the tools right like it just seems like i don't know he's just he's big and he's fast and he works his ass off and i i feel like he's going to be an nhl player yeah i'm with you not scared either (laughs) nicole says will the leafs have anything left to trade at next year's trade deadline i can worry about that next year yeah you can just (laughs) trade more future picks yeah, just go go to twenty twenty eight. Can I read you like Tampa's picks? Uh, Have was, you looked at that? I mean, I I agree with what they're doing. I agree, but this, did but you this, see what did Did you see what Julian Breezebaugh came out and said about that today? Yes, did you see? I he, heard he something. had like a he had like a long he had like a long spiel about how those picks are not like you and I were talking about the this before that, that, those trades. Like we had a conversation. Like I mean, you can talk about it now. If yeah. You want. Well, I mean, we just like. It's 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 known out there that the Lightning don't value first round picks the way that most of the league does. Uh, uh, one of our writers, Shana Goldman, who writes for the Athletic, has a story coming on this tomorrow. So I, I don't need to steal too much of her thunder, but like basically, you know, in the analytics era of the NHL, I think that draft picks people are going to realize that they're not worth as much as people used to think they were worth. Like a late first round pick is 
what's the chance that that's a star player? It's probably, you know, like 7-8%. Like, it's pretty low. It's pretty low. So it makes sense to sell. Yeah, like you can turn that hypothetical into someone who helps you now. And like what they've been doing with a lot of these trades is like they're turning into someone who helps them for multiple years. So Not I mean, only that, Jonas, but they're trading them for guys who are cheap on the cap, like Hegel and, yes. and uh, uh, J- Janot and... Uh, did I say that right? Yeah. Janot. Janot. Kyle wants to know how excited is Jonas that they acquired both Achari and Lafferty. I'm so excited. I can't believe it. I was like, after they got Achari, I'm like, eh, I guess they're not getting Lafferty now. And it's like, no, they're going to get both. I mean, why not? Right. Like, why not? Especially the fact that he signed next year. And like, that's another like part of this that we've not completely hit on is like, they have all those guys who are going to be free agents, like Engvall, Kerfoot, Camp. So suddenly like you've just kind of insulated yourself in the event a likely event that one or more of those guys doesn't come back next year. By the way, I just want to read Tampa's draft picks. So in 2023, this is what they have left over. A sixth, a seventh, and We're a seventh. We're running out of time, Jonas. And then, okay. We're low on time. All right, keep going. <laughs> it's okay. You can keep going if you want. Go to Cap Friendly and look at how many draft picks they have if you want to know. Uh, Reese, want, Reese wants to know what needs to happen for the Leafs to win round one against the Lightning. They need the big guys, right? They need they need they need goaltending that doesn't sink them. They need defensive play that's as good as their defense has played this year, and they need their big guys to really step up and outplay Tampa's big guys. That's what yeah. They need. The, the the hard thing for them is like Vasilevsky, like he did last year, could just win the series for Tampa. But if you're the Leafs, you're hoping like that your firepower. Is just too much mm, for him. Vasilevsky had some games where he wasn't good. Remember, he got lit up that one. I, what was that? At the end of the two? series, James, he Three? he was he was awesome. Yeah, and that's and that. No, I know. And, I mean, he's great. Yeah. If if I had to win a playoff series, he's the goalie I would pick right now. Oh, like by far. First pick in my pool, I I I had to pick eighth overall. I took Vasilevsky. He's been money. All right. Akash says credit to James for his early article on the Leafs' potential trade deadline moves. He had O'Reilly and McCabe on the Leafs over a month ago. Congrats, Keep up the great coverage, and then and then Wesley says, and Jonas had Achari and Lafferty. Woo. <laughs> yeah, well, it just shows that it just shows that they're the Leafs listen to the podcast, and then they go do what we say. Like that's just that's how it works here in Toronto. Although, if if that was the case, then you could blame us for them not winning in the playoffs too. Uh, I hope I pronounced this right. Jazeeb wants to know. This isn't about the Leafs, but I've always wondered when you rate the athletic articles at the end with the emojis, does that, does that actually do anything? Do you guys look at how people are rating your articles? Do people even rate articles? Yes, people rate articles. I think it's something like 15% of people who read the article rate it. And yes, we do see, we can, if there's something called a NPS is the, with the name for the, we get statistics on every story and every writer and whatever. And we don't use it. It's not like one of the top metrics we use, but you know, since we started as a startup, we were very kind of like analytically driven as a company and we have like all kinds of different data and things we can look at. It's been kind of interesting. It's kind of like a Silicon Valley approach to, to sports writing a little bit. And one of the things we have is the emojis at the bottom. So you can say if you like the story or not. Uh, we need one more. One more. Oh, there's another request for Hayes to be on the podcast. All right. On the back call out. <laughs> Let's, this, this, here's, this, this person doesn't have a name. Somehow they have like, it's just blank. Uh, who will end up being the better Leaf when all is said and done, Jake or Brian McCabe? 
I mean, Brian McCabe was Brian McCabe good had a brief. Yeah, I, I think they're just being facetious. <laughs> Joseph says, "Why, to put it one way, did Tampa look at us and think they needed to spend five draft picks to acquire a middle six forward slash tough guy?" I don't think it's just looking at the Leafs. I think the I think the Lightning are looking at the Bruins and like what's happening in the East. And they, I thought the Lightning were going to get Barbashev. They just look at those kind of guys. Like you mentioned, like Janot makes nothing. He's RFA. He's 25. He's shown he can score. He's really physical. He's really hard to play against. They like those kind of guys. You know what I mean? Like Hagel is Hagel's the same way. Like he's just a pain in the ass and he's signed and he's young. And it's like, you know what, you know what it was, James? I woke up this morning thinking a lot about that trade and basically what they've done. I, I was like, I was even contemplating asking you and Ian about writing a story about this just because I think it's so interesting. They basically said, we're going to let all these other teams do the development for us. And then right when that guy is actually a good NHL player, we're just going to trade for him. We'll just give you our first round picks. You do all the meal prep. We're just going to eat the meal is basically what they've done. Well, it takes so long for the meals to get made in the NHL. It takes like five, six years. So it was, I think it was, uh, was it, I think it was, it was either on overdrive or it was on the CJ podcast which i highly recommend and someone made the comment of like that pick that the leafs just traded the first round pick what year what year was it i was it 2025 or 2024 like how old is that kid right now that that they're gonna pick with that pick is he 15 you know <laughs> 16 years goal. old yeah well like uh, how long until that player is going to be impacting your lineup and the reality is and i think duba said some version of this today like how old are austin matthews and mitch marner going to be by the time that 16, 15 year old kid is impacting your lineup in a significant way. Even if you make a great pick, like it's yeah. the reality is, is the picks are just not worth. I don't think the, what we thought they were in the past. Yes. All right. Um, I think this is the last one, James. I'm going to pass. It yeah, up. I know. I'm just, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm tired too. Uh, Bilal, who is one of our, most frequent question askers. We're going to end on you, my friend. Uh, he wants to know, do uh, McCabe and Lafferty join the Leafs on the trip? If yes. so, when do they play first? They're on their way. They're going to be here in Seattle at practice on They're going to Seattle. Tuesday? Yeah. No, tomorrow is Tuesday. Who's on first, James? That's what I meant. Yeah. That's what I meant. No, that's what I meant, that they're going to be at practice on Tuesday. Yeah. So. Jonas will be there. He will t- he will be tweeting the lines. He will be writing about the new defense pairs. Uh, I I will be I will not be there. I'm on my way somewhere else. So, um, but yeah, they're going to be there. They got their jerseys pressed. They, the Leafs put up the video, and they don't waste any time in, in getting the guys to the new destination. So, uh, for likely they're going to play uh, the next game to Edmonton, right on uh, on Wednesday. Yeah, I would think they would both be in the lineup. Yep. So you get your they get their first chance against uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl and and Jack Campbell. So Zach Hyman, Ooh, the new Leafs would get play some of play some of the old Leafs. Cody Cece, Tyson Berry. Who else is there from the Leafs? All right, James. I'm done, Jonas. You can pass it. out now. You just gotta you gotta say some words that end the show, and then you can pass out. Well, thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you for reading. Go to theathletic.com/slash/leafreport if you want to read all about. This trade, other trades, NHL trades, and I should tell you, James, I know you know this already, but this Friday, Haley, Ian, are hosting a live trade deadline show starting at 2.30 Eastern 
The Athletic Hockey Show will be on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. So you can check that out. So you can just follow along with the trade deadline live. And hopefully there's going to be trades actually on trade deadline day. All these big trades are getting made well in advance now. Well, we put out the new version of the trade board today and everyone's saying that, but then you look and it's like, yeah, there's still like quite a few players out there. I mean, like some of the big names are gone, but I think there's still going to be, I bet there's still going to be 10 to 12 trades on Friday. I mean, sure. (laughs) (laughs) All right, James. I'll bet you, I'll bet you a beer, I'll bet you a beer, Jonas. If there's not 12 trades on Friday, then I owe you one. So, you know, all right. Well, so our tentative plan is to record another show after the trade deadline is complete on Friday or Saturday? Probably on Saturday. Yeah, so stay tuned for yeah, that. I, Obviously, the Leafs could still do something. It seems like their big work. Is I guess if they don't done. do anything, we could probably record Friday, right? Like in Vancouver. I guess we'll just see how how the day shapes up. Yeah. So thank you again to everyone. Uh, enjoy the week. The Leafs play in Edmonton on Wednesday, like James mentioned, then in Calgary on Thursday, and then Vancouver on Saturday. Bye, James. Till next time. <laughs>